Inside 20, for those who desire to hunt close. Brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia, Big Jim's Bow Company, Gunshy Archery, Vantage Point Archery, Custom Kings Traditional Archery, and Triple T Strings. Inside 20 is a separate entity from our sponsors. The information shared from each podcast are the beliefs of the Inside 20 associates and the guests participating. Tonight, we continue our journey series with our first father-daughter duo we have had on the podcast, period. We're excited to introduce Meredith and Joe Poroznik. How are y'all doing tonight? Fine. We're doing awesome. Fine. Doing great. How are you guys? Oh, we're great. We're doing yeah, really good. good. Doing we're real good. Really excited about this. I want to start out, Joe, why don't you just go ahead and tell us uh, where y'all are from and then just tell us a little bit about, you know, how you started in, in your hunting journey uh, and then just really like um, how that all kicked it off to now that uh, you have a passion that you love to to do this with your daughter. Yeah. Well, um, actually, I was introduced to hunting through an archery endeavor <clears throat> back in the mid 70s. I was in my mid 20s and a customer of mine was obviously, uh, uh, you know, an archery enthusiast. And uh, during a conversation, he asked me if I'd ever shot a bow before. <clears throat> and I commented to, you know, the fact that I had, you know, never even tried. And uh, he invited me to uh, go with him. And uh, he would be glad to show me, you know, how to shoot a bow. And uh, I was I was all in. And uh, we arranged a time. And, and, of course, I asked him what I, uh, what equipment, what would I need? And uh, you kind of have to know this guy. He's, he's quite the personality. And uh, he said, I've got a bow and I've got the arrows. But uh, the only thing you're going to have to do is get a fishing license. And it kind of put me on my heels because I had no idea what he was talking about. And uh, he just smiled at me and, and, and he, he said, trust me, Joe. He said, we're going to have a lot of fun. And I'd never shot a bow before, so I was really puzzled. But anyway, we, we got together and he took me to a wildlife management area that had a waterfowl program. And part of their program was a 60-day bow fishing season for the to deal with the carp situation it was a problem there and this place was just it, it was incredible it, the the carp would come in there by the tens of thousands during the 60-day season and they wanted as many fish taken out of there as possible and if we shot one fish that day i know we shot a hundred and they were they were big not big carp you know some of them in the 20s 25 pound range and i was just flabbergasted that you know you could be that close to the game and having never shot a bow and having that much success i I just you know i was i was hooked it 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 was just incredible for me and i fell in love with the weapon first of all and then that much success i you know i i I just the next thing on my agenda was to get a, a bow and he suggested we could get into deer hunting. And so I bought a tree stand. I think it was a Baker back then. And uh, uh, it was a Jennings Model T. I think it was one of the first compound bows that ever came out. And uh, I knew nothing about hunting at all. But I, I was in that first year, I was in the woods every day that I could. And I think 
I think I saw two does about a 300 yards away uh, one afternoon, and that was it for my first year of uh, of bow hunting because I I was totally in the dark. So I I studied a lot in the next year about the the first week of the season. You know, I was already convinced it was going to be a challenge, but the first week of the season, my moment finally came and. I uh, had a four-pointer walk up on me one morning, and it was coming right to me, and there was another four-pointer behind it, and they walked up less than five yards, you know, from the stand that I was in. I could hear my heart beating, <laughs> <laughs> and they stopped side by side, and honestly, I had a target the size of a cow to shoot at, and it wasn't over four or five steps, and I shot about four feet over top of both of them. And I, I just came unglued. I swear I was crying. I, I, I was, I don't think in my life I had never been that mad before <laughs> about anything. I was, I was a basket case. And I sat there and I, why, first of all, I wanted to throw my bow out of the tree. And then I sat there and I thought, more I thought about it, then I realized how much trouble I was in because I, that, that the challenge and the, the magic of it all being that close it just it just blew me away honestly you were that's, hooked that's yeah i was done i, I was i was i was hooked and uh, yeah there's there's some folks that would yeah. just hang it up after that and a lot have they run into a little well, bit of a yeah and they just hang it up the adversary it was the challenge you know and and then I, I got hooked on every archery magazine and, and, you know, back then it wasn't a whole lot of equipment available and, and, and technology. And so, uh, I guess, uh, I guess I killed a few deer and, and that was my pivot point was this fellow that, that introduced me that way. And then it was a couple of years later, I had a few deer under my belt and I wanted to try something else. And I, I got all wrapped up in going on a bear hunt. And I went on three guided hunts, and I never saw a bear. And, you know, back then, it was it was tough being a bow hunter because there was very few guide services that were equipped or really knew how to set up stands and, and would work with a bow hunter. And uh, I actually gave up on it after the third the third trip. And a, a mutual friend, a guy that was, was still going up there, up and going, he was going to Canada. He heard about a fellow named Rick Patterson you know, up in Aurelia, Ontario. And I didn't know it at the time, but Rick was the president of the Federation of Ontario Bow Hunters, which is a traditional archery organization. Well, all I knew about him was that he had an archery only camp. And he only took bow hunters. And I said, I've got to call this guy and see what he's all about. Because, you know, judging with what I'd been through. So I gave him a call and we hit it off. I mean, the, the first conversation and I told him what I'd been through and never seen a bear. And, and of course, he had reassured me that there was plenty of bears and he could, you know, I'd see a bear. But, you know, the matter of fact, matter of whether I could handle what to do next would be totally up to me so i went up there and uh i was shooting by that time i was i had purchased the jennings uh, elephant bow 
and that thing would go up to a hundred pounds, but I, I, I had it cranked up. It was in the low nineties and, uh, Rick was, although he was traditional all the way, he was kind of fascinated with the bow. And of course, uh, the first night there, there within two hours, a bear came in and I shot him and, um, we, we, we headed off really good. And I was going to go up there the next year. And he called me and said he was going to get a brand new bow. And he wanted to, wanted me to get a bow like he was ordering. It was uh, uh, Asbel, a bighorn. And uh, I said, okay, fine, uh, get two of them. So when I got up there, well, actually, I, I had it shipped to me. So I, I shot it some. But it was a 75-pound Asbel bighorn, which my oldest son is shooting now. And uh, I killed a bear with that. And uh, the next year I went, he had a bow. I was going to hunt with that bow again. And he had a brand new long bow that he'd gotten. And I, I didn't I didn't know what it was. And, and he said, I tell you what, if you hunt with this bow, um, I've got a bow that you can, I want you to try. So he had just gotten it in and I hunted with that. And the first night I didn't see anything. The second night he, uh, uh, a bear came in. And uh, I and I happened to be filming. I was doing some self-filming then. And daggone, I got the whole thing on film, and I shot the bear, and it ran up the hill and rolled down dead right at the bottom of the tree. And uh, I was in shock. I, I was I couldn't even talk. I had it on film. I was trying to talk in the camera, and I, I was again. I was just rattled out of my cage completely. So it was uh. It was a heck of an experience for me and, and Rick and I, I mean, we just, you know, from, and from that point on, we've been lifelong friends. We, we, you know, we get together often, but he, he, he was a major influence between the first guy taking me bow fishing and then meeting Rick with the traditional situation. I've been hunting with a, you know, a longbow for 35 to, I don't know, going on 40 years. Wow. It's amazing just to see that that one person doing that one time and then and then Rick spending his time with you to take you and what that did yeah. and how that changed your trajectory. And I think that's a testimony to everybody. Like, you know, that was a long time ago, but even today, like there could yeah. be somebody that somebody listens to this and they have that opportunity. And if they think, well, I don't have time or that person may not stick with it. You never know. Right. You never know. You just yeah, it was all of it every both both situations were just totally unexpected amazing that's a great story it really is and so then fast forward right then eventually you yeah. you, you yeah. got how many children how and family let's talk about that right right i, I has two brothers an older brother he's three years older and a younger brother is uh, a year younger and as they were growing up, you know, she would, she and Van both would watch JV. And <laughs> JV was probably six years old. And I was going, I'd hang two stands next to each other and take a, a heavy piece of rope and put it under his arms and tie him off. And I had one of these little plastic $10 bows from, you know, not Walmart then, but like, you know, uh, a department store and I made him arrows out of uh, dowel rods with crutch tips on them and I would pull him up in the tree stand I, I used climbing spikes for the, you know probably 30 years 
I'd hang both stands and then I'd tie a rope under his arms. I'd pull him up and have put a safety belt and he'd sit there with his bow. And when a squirrel would come out, I'd let him shoot at a squirrel or anything he wanted to. But when a deer would come out, you know, I'd shoot at a deer and he got to witness me shooting and killing some deer, you know, before he could really even draw a bow, you know, a significant bow. And he started with a longbow. It was a youth youth model longbow that I think I got from Custom Kings way back in the day. So when you, he's in the stand with you and, and you're sitting there and you let him shoot at some squirrels, then like that same, around that same time, that same age, eventually you shoot a deer in front of him. How old was he? Do you remember that first deer you shot in front of him? He was, the first time we both sat a stand, he saw the deer before I did, which was so cool. <laughs> He, That's great. He was going and pointing over there, and I turned around. And of course, you know, I, 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 you know, I blew him up, you know, over that, you know, and that just really, uh, you know, that 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 that, that turned him on, and and, and it, it was just, it was all good. It was so exciting for the two of us. But he was probably when I take him turkey hunting, my fanny pack around my back. When we come to a water crossing, he'd sit on my fanny back and put his arms around my waist. So I'd be trudging through, you know, swamp up to my knees and uh, he'd be back there. Wow. He he couldn't have he, like a little monkey. Yeah, like a little monkey. He was like a <laughs> he was awesome. my fanny pack. But uh <laughs> he was probably I don't know, six years old, seven years old. Wow. He had his own he had his own ground blind in the backyard. We had two pine trees and I had a, a stand built in a good you know good stand between the two and then i had camouflage material going down all the way to the ground and they had a seat there and they had a hole in the uh camouflage and they would shoot these little toy bows with crutch tips on the arrows and uh we <laughs> at the squirrels of course we couldn't hurt them <laughs> all right but, uh the uh I'd, I'd let them shoot and uh you know that we we have a lot of these blackbirds that, that around, and uh, I wouldn't let him shoot any birds of color. You know, uh, you know, like you know, for robin or anything. But you know, the, right. the there were so many of them, and I remember he he was just a little tiny thing, and he he actually did uh, get himself a blackbird. I got a picture of him holding it up with the wings spread apart, and I mean, it's this bird covered his chest up, a bl- little blackbird. <laughs> That's awesome. Picture is precious. What what a childhood that is. So Meredith, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, first time hunting with your dad? First time hunting with him? Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. Well, as for kind of how I got into hunting with him, it really didn't even stem from hunting to begin with. It it stemmed from water skiing, to be honest with you. So my dad was a professional water skier back in the day at Cypress Garden. And so when I was little, I was probably, I don't know, I was probably five years old. I watched him teach my older brother how to barefoot ski. And I saw how proud he was and just, God, just the way that he lit up and the way he called his buddies. And he just had to tell all of his buddies about my older brother and what he had done. And next thing you know, my little brother, who's a year younger than me, he, um, he goes out there. Dad takes him barefoot skiing and teaches him how to barefoot. And um, when he come back to the beach, 
I saw them doing their little photo shoot, and Dad was all lit up. He was like, Susan, you're not going to believe what Van did, blah, 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 blah. And I just remember getting this feeling in the pit of my stomach, like, I need that. Like, I need to feel that he feels that way about me, you know? And so at that point, I was like, I've, I got to keep up. And it took me, it, it took me probably, I had to probably, probably took me two days or so to say anything, but because I was contemplating, them barefoot falls are hard, right? This hurt. <laughs> and I wasn't fully sure if that's something I wanted to do or not. So I thought about it and then I approached dad and I was like, dad, I was like, how come the boys get to go barefoot skiing and I don't? And he kind of looked at me. I was in shock. I, I, I didn't expect that from my little girl, you know? And uh, I said, Meredith, this, this is something, I said, you saw him fall. I said, this is something that you have got to really want to do bad because <laughs> it's going to ring your bell. And you, you got you to gotta know this right out of the gate. And yeah. She and said, that, yeah, right, I want to. At that point, I had, I had decided in my mind that it was all or nothing and I was I was going for it and um I went for it and I I did it and he lit up and I got well, every Well I got I got to tell you this part cuz you know I figured she'd take a couple of falls and get her eyelids peeled back over her eyes and then she'd say well I've had enough but you know she she watched what they went through and and she pays attention and 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 uh, she listened well, and I took her out, and I had her riding on a, a hydro slide, and she put her feet down. And the very first time, I you know I I, I gave her the nod. I was going to give her the speed that where she could stand up, and the water was going to hold her. She put her feet down, and she popped right up, and she went. We were in a creek, and I ran out of water. We must have gone over two miles, and her very first step off, she went the entire length of the creek. Wow. And, yeah, yeah. And at that point, you know, you only have to barefoot for 60 seconds to be a lifetime member in the American Water Ski Association Barefoot Club. And she probably went two <laughs> minutes, two and a half minutes. The oh, my first goodness. Time, and I, I realized that this is not this this is not normal <laughs> and it was it was I just can't tell you what it was like for me so my life was basically trying to keep up with my brothers to make my dad proud and so you know once the whole barefoot thing happened and I, I saw how proud he was of me it that in itself became an addiction for me and so when my brother started hunting, it was kind of the same scenario. You know, I was watching them coming home, doing the photo shoots with the turkeys. And I looked at dad one day and I said, dad, how come I always have to stay home? And he, <laughs> it was like the same thing all over again. And uh, I'll be honest with you, deep down, I was scared of killing a deer. I didn't want to hurt an animal. There was nothing inside of me that wanted to you know, go through and harvest any type of animal. My whole intent, my whole goal was just to make my dad proud. That's all I wanted. And so as I started hunting with him and these things started happening and I, you know, I started killing deer and, you know, seeing how you process them, how you harvest them, you know, you take the meat to the table. I mean, we don't kill something if we're not going to eat it. 
that's just something a way that you know what and, we've and always we, lived by yeah and we do like to eat it yeah <laughs> deer, deer meat is normal two or three times a week in our household but as as i began to you know spend more time with him in the woods it just became such a passion and him and i have been inseparable ever since i mean we, yeah. we've bonded through so many different adventures and endeavors in the woods and you know you just can't words just don't even explain the memories mm, no and y'all still love to bow hunt right like you got meredith into that you talked about that bow hunting was kind of like one of the first things uh, or bow fishing i'm sorry is one of the first things that you got into and y'all y'all still do that right yeah yes in yeah. fact we have a bow fishing team uh we <laughs> keep compete for several years and we did we did well with it and we started working with uh you know different organizations some like freedom alliance and um the uh new organization is uh what is it the fallen fallen outdoors fallen outdoors we do a lot of volunteer trips for military yeah. and veterans and people like that the national archers awesome. for schools take their yearly winners out bow fishing um we work with karen she's she's uh well she's retired now but she was in charge of youth education for the game and fish department here in virginia for years and we worked with her and in fact we we still take we still take her and her husband out they're great friends uh, we've we've god we met so many fantastic people and and had so that's many awesome. adventures together that's awesome i'm sure the, the memories and the memories of a lifetime now i would love to know meredith when did you get into hunting with a traditional bow with your dad like when did that start and and tell us a little bit about that journey it sounds like you probably started maybe turkey hunting with a shotgun with him and going with him and doing that it sounds like initially absolutely yep so he started me out with a shotgun uh 20 gauge you know uh first year i killed with a little button buck with a shotgun and then um turkey hunting of course with a shotgun and i mom has video footage of me in the tree stand at about five years old with the little kid's longbow and i'm up there in my church dress and my sandals and i'm shooting at this bear and every time i hit that thing in the butt i turn around and i look at mom and i'm like i hit him at the bottom <laughs> <laughs> and, and my, awesome. my brother my older brother's up there in the tree stand with me pushing me all around flying all around you know my younger brother is down on the ground below me he's got a bow and it's wrapped around his neck and he's like strangling himself in it you know (laughs) (laughs) the chaos the memory but yeah she um he started me shooting when i was very young but i didn't actually carry a recurve into the woods until i was probably 16. I believe I was about 16 or 17 mm-hmm. when I went on my first traditional bow hunting trip. And I got a shot that day and I learned a lot of lessons in a short period of time. <laughs> that's, and that's what it's all about. It really is. At some point yep. in, in a journey, you're going to learn some lessons. And, and unfortunately, it, all, it seems like a lot of times it falls in the hard way but it's good it makes you better because you learn from it right absolutely i I have learned so much through this process 
and not only just learning things, but learning to appreciate things, you know. That's right. Yeah, um, it, being in the yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, learning about the journey. It's not just about what's on the wall, but how you got there and the work that you put in. I mean, that's really the true meaning behind it all. That's exactly right. That's yep. so true. Talk about this. What is a hunt that you can think of that maybe is like a really special hunt that I know you have, y'all have tons and it's probably hard to narrow it down, but maybe one that's centered around uh, a traditional hunt that you had or that you had with your dad. Like talk, talk about something that maybe really hits home for y'all. Um, a couple years back, we were headed into the woods in the morning and we were on time until we realized that dad forgot his bow. <laughs> so then we stopped and he's like, you want me to just drop you off? I'll just drop you off and I'll go back. I was like, no, dad, we're in this together. Turn the truck around, let's go. <laughs> so we just took off back to the house. You know, we had like a 30 minute drive back to the house. We run back to the house, he grabs his bow. We head back out to where we are. At this point, I'm walking into the tree stand, the sun's up, I jump two does just get into my stand and I'm thinking to myself why why are we here like why did we even come back and um I get up in my tree stand and he's settled in his we're texting back and forth a little bit and um I'll be honest with you I was hardly paying attention because I just felt like we had you know screwed everything up so bad I didn't have a whole lot of hope and I was in a ladder stand that day and I remember I was texting a friend of mine and I heard something to my right. And so, of course, like I looked up and I saw this doe coming across from my right side. Well, she didn't cross in front of me. She actually went behind me and then she went back out in front of me to my left. And so I sat there and I was just kind of watching her. I still hadn't stood up yet. And a couple minutes later, I heard you know, some more leaves crunching over to the right. I look over and all I see is horns and they're coming and they're coming fast. And I wasn't ready. (laughs) (laughs) So I get, I'm like, oh my God, I got to get up. And I've got my phone in my right hand. I'm in the mid text. And so I drop it into my pocket and I, I always keep my bow in my lap. I never hang my bow. I just, I like to have it there. I I don't know. It's just, it makes me feel more comfortable if something happens fast. And um, I got to like a, a, I don't know, half a squat up the tree. I wasn't fully stood. I was still like half leaning on the tree, half squatted. (laughs) And he came directly across me and he was headed straight to her. And about, I don't know, I'd say about 15 minutes before that, I I found myself looking at this little tree. It was probably about two inches wide. And I thought to myself, and I never do this. And it's so crazy. And I feel like this is just God. I thought to myself, if a deer stops right there at that tree, like I just, I felt extremely confident with it. I was like, if a deer stops there, that's my shot. I have that shot. And Daggone, if this buck didn't walk straight across, stopped exactly in the same spot that I was focused on earlier, turns broadside, turns his head to the right, so he's looking away from me. So 
I come back to full draw, well, this was another learning experience for me. I'm squeezing my knock so hard because I'm so nervous and flustered that my arrow comes off the shelf and my arrow is laying across my forearm at full draw. Oh, no. And he's, and I thought to myself, I knew it. I knew I was going to screw this up. This is too good to be true. You know, like, what the heck? Well, I don't, I, I guess it was just, I, I don't know what it was, but I, I was like, okay, Meredith, you got this. You got this. You're confident in this shot. You you thought about this earlier. Get yourself together. And so I never let my bow down. I kind of flipped my forearm, like flipped my elbow up. And luckily I had a little piece of velvet right there on my bow so it didn't make any noise. And it, I just pushed it right back onto the shelf. And I anchored and I found my spot. And I released and I, I hit him. I hit him exactly where I wanted to. And he kicked so hard and he took off running. And I, I about lost my mind. I, I was just like, oh, my God, it came together. And I was freaking out. And the tears just started rolling. And I'm in the stand by myself. And I'm crying. And I'm smiling. And I'm looking up at the sky. And I'm pointing at God. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I was just, a, I mean, I was crazy. I was a crazy person. I really was. And so I texted my dad and I'm like, no, actually I called him and I was like, dad, you're not going to believe it. And he was like, he was like, what, what's going on? I was like, a monster buck just walked out in front of me. He's like, no. He's like, you get a shot? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, and you're not going to believe this. And he goes, what? And I said, I hit it where I was aiming. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. No. That's that is uh the main goal right there. Hit where That's you're it. aiming. Don't do anything else. Hit where you're aiming. I said, Oh my god, I hit it where I was aiming. So anyways, um, you know, I thought I put a good shot on him, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was. Um We I, gave him time. Yeah, we gave him an hour. Um I was pretty I mean, I just I really thought that I double lunged him. Um, so we gave him an hour and then we started dredging through the swamp on the blood trail. And the next thing you know, and we found blood. I mean, we found blood all over the trees. I mean, it was coming out of his nose. I mean, it was a pretty solid hit, we thought. But we even found the other half of the arrow and, you know, we measured that and came to realize that nine inches of that arrow was in him. And as we were looking for him, we heard something start thrashing through the woods. And it was the most sickening sound I've ever heard in my life. And that was him jumping and taking off. And Mm. I'll tell you that we probably spent, I remember adding it up. We probably spent a total of 20 somewhere between 22 and 25 hours tracking that buck. I mean, we backed out of there at that point, but we came back the next day and um, we tracked and tracked and tracked. I mean, we covered every piece of ground we could and we just couldn't find him. And it just crushed me because I, I just felt like, I felt like for the first time I had done everything right because 
I'd paid a lot of dues prior to that. I had screwed up on a lot of deer. I mean, I can't say that my confidence was all there. You know, it took me a long time to be successful. And um, so I was very discouraged at that point. But we didn't quit. We said we're going to go back and we're going to look for him one more time. And um, we were walking around. We had another guy with us. And this guy goes, hey, y'all smell that smell? Wind was blowing all different directions. It was swirling. We were in the swamp. And I thought to myself, yeah, that you know, it's a pretty rank smell. And he was like, yeah, well, we kept, we split up and um, we all went different directions. And dad, I'll let you kind of go from there as to what you found. Well, uh, Jimmy and I were close together and we lost track of her. We really... We really weren't um, far from where we had been doing the majority of the looking. And I, I walked up, and I, it just startled me because uh, I walked right up on him laying there. And uh, yeah, oh well, yeah, we we did we did notice a, 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 a buzzard that had launched out of a tree and took off flying we could hear him when he when he when he lit uh, when he went when he uh you know lit off of the off of the branch to we had spooked him and uh that that was a bit encouraging for me i thought we might be getting close to something so uh, i kind of walked over that way and i just i walked right up on on the on the carcass the coyotes have been in there too and um but uh, the 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 rack was there, and uh, the rest of her arrow was there. I mean, it was no doubt. It was it was it was her deer, and uh, so we went ahead and you know cut we 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 uh, cut the head off, and we were going on back. We hit the main road, and uh, he and I were walking, and we were carrying the thing, and we looked way down the road because we we were trying to get find her, and she was quite a ways down the road coming t- towards us. And we were right next to the wood line, so uh, I said, "Toss it, toss it," you know. And Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> the guy that was close, he tossed it over. And uh, of course, when she walked up, you know, we were not, you know, we were really down and out because we had not seen anything, and we were really, we were really rubbing it in, and you know, because that that was our that was definitely our last shot at trying to find how this cruel. thing. How cruel can you? That be? is. Yeah, that's. Oh goodness, that is. Yeah, that, that's hmm. that's a little wrong. Yeah, I don't know what kind of relationship y'all have. It sounds like y'all joke and kid a lot if you're doing that in that moment. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I looked over. Well, I looked down the road and I saw Jimmy kind of toss something into the woods, but I was so far away I couldn't really tell what it was. But I had a feeling they were scheming on me. So they come up the road and uh, they're like, yeah, we didn't see anything. I'm sorry. Like, I know you're upset. This, This is so terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not saying much because I'm still, I'm still thinking you two are shady. I don't trust you guys. <laughs> and um, so we come, I meet them, and then we start, we turn around and we start going back down the road. And I said, I'm gonna look over here where I thought they, they tossed something, and they're talking to me, and we're walking past it, and I look over, and all I see was horns, and I, do, I turned around and I looked at Jimmy, and I took off running, and I just tackled him. <laughs> Oh my and I was like, I knew it. I knew y'all did that to me. 
she laid him on the ground. I mean, it was so funny. Poor guy. And that was your idea. That's that's not good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good at that. Uh Inside 20 is brought to you by Traditional Bow Hunters of Georgia. Head on over to tradbowga.com for more information. And by Big Jim Bow Company, the place for custom bows, handmade leather goods, and much more to meet your traditional archery needs. Check them out at bigjimbowcompany.com. Gunshy Archery, the perfect custom-made quiver for both two- and three-blade broadheads. Check them out at gunshyarchery.com. VPA Broadheads, precision machined one-piece broadheads, two- and three-blade mode is available. Check them out at vparchery.com. Custom King Archery, best price on the best traditional archery products since 1972 check them out at customkingarchery.com triple t strings created champion level flemish and endless strings for hunters and target shooters using the best materials check them out at ttt strings on facebook i want to know joe how you felt when she called you initially like what was your initial reaction do you remember how you felt when she first called you and told you she shot that deer Oh, I, I was, I, I, I was, what, what, you know, I was, I was ecstatic. And then when she said she hit where she was aiming and, and she, like she said, she paid her dues, you know, she had the not to full draw and, 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 you know, all the things that you got to go through, you know, fine tuning the traditional idiosyncrasies and, uh, God, it was just, and then when we found uh, what was it, seven or nine inches of arrow, you know, it only takes about six in the right place to 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 get to the lungs. Uh, I, I really, you know, we it was we had a really good feeling, but th- that first conversation on the phone, I I, I was, you know, I mean, what do you say? I was just everything she said. I was what what you don't know what. <laughs> And you're excited. I, I'm sure I can yeah, only imagine God. super fired up. Yeah. Talk about oh, a roller coaster, though. I mean, that for that ending to take place after you spent all that time yeah. walking around searching and then to stumble upon it like that. How far was it from initially Meredith where you'd shot him at? Was it a long ways? I'd say probably 300 yards. Yeah. It okay. wasn't that far. So not terrible. It, yeah. But uh, in fact, it was not far probably 25 30 yards from another one of our stands that we hadn't been <laughs> uh hunting and oh, nice. uh it was that, that was a surprise because he was really really right in our, our our ballpark then wow that deer really and it scored well too it it did very well it was it was a nice buck it's funny how those those deer though They'll almost make a big circle when uh, when tracking them like that. I know I've had them do that in the past. Mm-hmm. Make yeah. those giant circles get back behind you. Yep, yeah. that's very similar to what he did. Yeah. But it blew my mind. I mean, I, I just thought, well, I guess I single-lunged him. I, you know, that's the only thing I could come up with. Yeah. I, I just, it, it's crazy how hard he kept pushing in for so long. They're so tough, though. Yeah, I mean, their will yeah. to survive is just unmatched. And it sounds like that deer was probably a mature deer. What did that deer, what did it end up scoring? Um, I believe it was 136, Pope and Young. That's a great, 
That's awesome. awesome. Congratulations. That is That's a huge accomplishment. So, Joe, you must have a lot of joy and, and pride when you hear your daughter tell those stories. Um, I can only imagine it makes your face light up. But how has having your daughter in the woods impacted your hunting? It's, you know, I've hunted for a long, long time, really basically by myself. Uh, uh, um, I, you know, I, I had a hard time really, you know, in the beginning, I, I, I was, a lot of my friends were shooting compounds and I got to the point, I just couldn't be around them. I couldn't practice with them and I couldn't talk about shooting or or hunting and, and you know it's a mind game and you, you just gotta you gotta get so totally focused on the endeavor and I, it's you know you, I, I just had to give up some things to, to deal with myself you know but when the kids came along and watching them go through all of the frustration and all three of them shoot traditional now the oldest wow. one shoots that my bighorn and during the years, uh, as band was growing up, I, I acquired another uh, big horn that a friend of mine had bought, and he wanted to get rid of it. And it, it's uh, it's identical to the other one that JV has. So both of them are shooting uh, big horns, Azabel big horns, and they're they're old bows, and they still they're just like the day we bought them. Wow. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about traditional bows too. Is like if they could all tell a story, imagine what they what stories that they would tell, and then too the value of them, right? Like it's not you can keep them from a long time, and they're still worth yeah. sometimes more than what they were when they were brand new, right? Well, their yeah. their functional art is what they are, man. Each one of them. Exactly I, don't, right. I really don't care if it's a production bow or not. I mean, take it outside and shoot it, and you'll you'll understand that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I guess the journey has been just for me. Uh, I, I mean, even now I, I enjoy going, but getting to watch them when it works, when it comes together, it's just it's, I just cherish those moments. And, um, you know, we've we've had we've had some, you know, a lot of adventures, you know, we. My goodness, I mean, you talk about traditional. I mean, it's not archery, but we went on a, a blowgun hunt with blowguns last year. And uh, we went to Florida with a friend of mine, and uh, we went on an iguana hunt. And I swear, we had so much fun. It was only a one-day deal, but it was, it, it's you know, it's it's traditional. I mean, blowguns are pretty primitive. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you're, talking, so. you're talking our language. Me and Matt both have blue guns, and we we love them. I love it. It's, oh. those, it's a lot of fun. I've been down to South Florida and shot a few iguanas. Not like a legit outfitted trip where you're in a boat. I've seen those. It, it looks yeah. like a, a blast, an absolute blast. Mm-hmm. Well, we got a friend down there. He See, I was in charge of outdoor recreation at Fort Lee for 10 years. And I met a lot of people that were, you know, I ran the hunting program, all the shooting sports and all of that. And uh, we had quite an archery program, but uh, this fellow was in the hunting program and his uh, outfit, it was, it's Arrow Assault. And uh, he's out of Miami and he's designed a boat that fits under all of those bridges and the pipes and all the water pipes and 
there's not there's hardly anything that'll fit under those. But you're right in the main streets of Miami, and wow. it it's a circus. And uh, you know they're a real nuisance because they they damn they're like groundhogs, you know. And all of that's rip and wrap. And the Department of uh, Motor Vehicles, you know, they have to maintain all that. And so you're actually helping helping the situation. And yeah. there's so many of them. And this we are just dying to try to eat some of the meat they say it tastes like uh um you know like cra- uh, uh, frog legs but we we it was such a quick, quick trip we didn't get to do any of that mm. so let me ask you this question do y'all uh i assume y'all hunt the, kind of the same areas do y'all um do y'all fight over bucks y'all get on camera or meredith do you claim certain deer or how does that how does that work <laughs> with uh with y'all hunting close to each other Absolutely not. You know, the way I look at it is this man taught me everything I know. If if I got the biggest buck in there, I, he's more than welcome to be there. And we actually ran into this issue like two or three years ago. We used to flip a coin. Yeah, that's actually, actually, we flipped a coin that morning. The story we just told you, yeah. we flipped a coin for that stand that morning. Yep. Um. No, we're neither one of us are territorial. I mean, but dad gives me my space. You know, yeah. I, I, I she, yeah, she's on something good. And, uh, you know, you can tell if she's really interested or not. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I've been there and done that. And so I don't mind a bit. I, I get as much fun out of watching her as if I did it myself. He says, well, what if that thing walks up under me? I said, if that thing walks under you, you shoot it, dad. You, you <laughs> That's shoot right. It. That's what <laughs> I tell my wife. Back up. That's that's what I tell my wife. I say I gotta get it out of my I gotta get it out of my system now, Brooke, because when Jonathan, my son, gets old enough, I said I gotta devote my time to him. I, part of me knows that it's kind of an excuse to go hunting, but the other part is very serious. So, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Hey. Oh, it's just been so many lessons. I've just I feel like it's a part of my core being at this point. I'll be honest with you. Do you feel like you, yeah. you, there's more of a fire now, Meredith, like as you've gotten older, or is it, is it always been there and it's kind of just stayed the same? Oh, no, it's tenfold. And every year it gets worse. And I am broke because of it. Let me tell you, every year I'm like, oh, all right, oh, I should do this. I should do this. I should do, you know, I'm investing in the cameras and I'm, you know, trying to get – well, I don't have, I really don't have a, I'm shooting a October Mountain Products um, longbow right now. Um, but last year I was shooting Dad's Bighorn uh, Ram Hunter longbow, 45 pounds. But I wanted to up my poundage. Um, so I got a different bow this year too. But yeah, I, when I initially started, my passion was not there. I mean, when I initially started, it was all about just trying to, make my dad look at me the way in the same way that he looked at my brothers. You know, I just, I wanted to keep up and I wanted him to know that like, I swear I can do it too, you know? And then the more that I did it, the more I just fell in love with it. And then the traditional archery that just multiplied everything times 10. I mean, I enjoy shooting deer with a shotgun every now and then, but nothing can relate to the 
satisfaction of killing an animal under 15 yards and it doesn't know you're there you know it's using all of its own senses you're in his home he's can use his smell he can use his sight you know he can hear i mean you give him every advantage and then you get that close it's it's just unmatched unmatched, it's hard it's really hard to communicate with others who haven't tried it you know like i said like words just don't describe it you just I don't know. I had a I had a really nice buck a couple years ago that I was on and it it was the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life and I had four encounters with him and it was during shotgun season and I had him I think 15 yards. He was broadside but he was alert and I didn't have any cover. And I had a tree between us, and I was trying to figure out go left or right of the tree. Nothing about it felt good. And I've just always been very conservative with my shot. I, I try not to take something that I don't feel really confident with. One, for the animal. And two, because the last thing I need to do is start taking shots that I know I'm not feeling good about. And then when I take the shot and mess it up, then my confidence starts to deplete, right? It's such a mental game. Yeah. So. And I had a feeling, I was like, I think he's going to turn and come back under me. And he did. And he came under me. He was probably, he was probably 10 steps under me, but there was brush between us. And I wear a, I was wearing a finger tab that was Velcro. And I flipped my hand to kind of put my hand on the string. And when I did, the Velcro went, and when it did that, the deer kind of spooked and jumped back a little bit and then he kept feeding, but he wasn't coming back to me. And then I had him a couple of days later at 25 yards broadside feeding and I had pictures of him and I had video footage of him and I had so many people like, well, I'm not a ton of people because I didn't tell a lot of people about it, but I had a handful of people, Meredith, why don't you take a shotgun in there? Or if you had a compound, you'd have him on the wall. And to me, it just, it it just wasn't the same, right? You know, not the same. If I had that deer on my wall, I wouldn't look at that deer and think to myself, I wouldn't have the same. It wouldn't be as rewarding if I shot that deer a different way than what I know I wanted to shoot it, you know? And so I said, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. And I, it, it never came together. And I guess, you know, high risk, high reward, right? I mean, those are the risks that you kind of have to take. But I honestly felt like that deer was like, there was an, an agreement between me and that deer and God. And God knew that that deer was there to change me. It did. She She went into overdrive after that. I saw a change in her that I was, I'm really proud of because she has been relentless. Her, she's, you know, she, she's, she's really into doing her scouting. She's got her cameras and, you know, she works, she's a physical therapist and she's got a pretty demanding job and she's, she didn't, she doesn't get into the woods as much as nearly as much as she wants to. But, uh, I tell you what, she, she gives it her best shot every day that she can, you know, 
be involved in it. No, I was gonna say anything in life that takes that amount of time and dedication and, and just that different uh, next step into the, the determination to, to be successful is the, the things in life that are going to grant you that much more satisfaction when you do find success. Anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can't say it doesn't still haunt me a little bit. You know, I think to myself, God, I should have just slung an arrow at 15 yards and tried it, or I should have just tried it at 25. But in the moment, you kind of, you know, hindsight's 2020, right? You know, that's right. And I've wanted to, I mean, the furthest deer that I've shot has been 18 yards. And beyond that, I've just never felt, I don't know, I've just never felt, I just felt there's so many things that could go wrong. And I'm not pulling, you know, I'm pulling, I have been pulling 45 pounds up to this point. And I felt like maybe if I was pulling a little bit more, maybe I'd be a little bit more confident at shooting 20 or 25 yards. Maybe that's something that I need to work on myself. Um, You know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, I guess. But you live and you learn. And that deer taught me a lot. And I know, I know know that if I shot a deer that I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have changed me the way that it did. That's right. Yeah. And you could have, you could have made a good shot. You never know. Sometimes they, they don't move, but most of the time they move and they're not staying in the same spot that they are. Even if you made a perfect shot, especially the further out you get um, at any point in with a compound, but definitely with traditional gear. I, I, I need to know this, Joe, though. All right. So you've got to be proud, right? You got three kids. You, you obviously are passionate about the outdoors and, and hunting specifically, and you got them all it, with a desire now in this uh, later in life to to love to shoot traditional bows and, and hunt with them. So uh, kudos to you. That's a huge accomplishment in itself just to be able to do that. If you look at it from a se- selfish side, which is not. But then now you've got your little girl who who obviously has a, a fire and, and love for it still to this day, which I think is is now I would say to me next level. If you compare it into how many females are actually like driven and passionate about yeah. hunting with a traditional bow. So how does that, I mean, how does that make you feel today? Like you've got somebody who you still uh, love to go hunt, hunt with and, and it's your daughter, right? Like, and it's somebody you, you can do this and every season you get something so, something to look forward to going into the, oh, yeah. the season and the next year and share that with her. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, uh, I and I've, I've said it to you dozens of times to different people that I am truly blessed to have three kids that that bow hunt and all of them shoot traditional and they and they and they're they love it you know they have passion for it and um you know that in itself but you know this situation you know with meredith and us is so special that uh i mean we're so focused on almost if if we can get in the woods together i mean we'll do either one of us will do anything that we can to to, to have that time together and you know I've, I've i've always been pretty selfish about my hunting spots and you know you got to keep some things quiet and you don't advertise and i've never been a big one for you know uh getting stuff scored and mine's bigger than yours uh and i've always told them you know it, it it's really it, it's up to you you know if it makes you feel good you know and 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 you can you're doing it that way you know, you can't ask for anything more, you know. Uh, and and like she was saying earlier, it just doesn't mean the same. If it's not with that, that longbow and, 
in the traditional. I, you know, I've, I've never shot anything other than wooden arrows for the whole 30, 35 or so years that I, I, I handed traditional and I don't know. It's just, um, the nature of the beast. It, it just means so much more, you know, you have to beat that. Like she said, to be able to beat his senses when, when all, all of his, you know, the whitetails is so attractive because he's, he's, he's got it all, you know, and, and, and if he's just standing there and he's totally aware and all of his defense mechanisms are working and you're within five steps of him, you have beaten him. You know, whether you take a picture yep. with a camera or you shoot him with the bow, but to pull it off with, 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 especially with that kind of equipment, if you get him there, you beat him, but then you've got to be able to beat yourself because that's when your mind and, and the right move and, 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 get, you know, making the shot and, and then the follow-up, you know, recovering it, none of it, you know, and until you do the right thing after the error is released, you know, there's a whole lot goes on after, you know, the fact. That's it, right. It's just yeah. so many, there's so many things in the, in the completed process that has to come together. And then when, my golly, when you get to the point where you're pretty consistent about success doing it that way, God, it's, it, that's, it's so rewarding. I mean, I, it, what, what, what could be better, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't found anything. It's, it's amazing. And, and then too, it's, it's not over until he's in the truck to me and in my experience yeah. and, and Meredith, you obviously have seen that. And it's, yeah. it's a shame when it happens that way, but think about the, the highs and lows that you experienced in that and the story, like if it worked out the same way every single time, uh, it's yes, in the moment, it would be nice. You're thinking to yourself, I do not want to be out here drudging through this swamp at, at this point in time. Like we need to be at the house, but you wouldn't have the story that you have. Like it makes that right. story even more unique. And that's what makes it special. Um, and it, you just never know. Like after the shot, you can think to yourself, it was a perfect shot. And you start second guessing yourself and it's, uh, it's fun. It's, I don't know. It's unmatched, I think, um, especially like in this area of, of a hobby for me and for, for Tim as well. And so I think that's why you find so many people that are so like-minded. I think you have to have that, the will to keep going and the, the challenge is what really, um, really gives you that satisfaction, that next level of satisfaction. Yep. And it's, and it's just fun. It's, it's just fun all around. If it wasn't fun, you should just, just stop, I believe. But man, getting out there with the traditional bow in the backyard and just shooting. I mean, not even hunting. It's just so much fun to go out there and do. And it's it's um it's turned more into kind of it sounds cheesy, but it's turned more into kind of this is the way I live now. I'll go back I'll go in the backyard and I shoot in the off season and I do that dang near every single day and it's all leading up to hunting season, just getting ready. So it's kind of the way you live now. It absolutely is. And it's, it's so cool because, you know, going on different hunts with different people, something that I've kind of noticed is the people that you gravitate towards the most, especially in the hunting world. Like when you find a hunting partner that you genuinely, truly love to hunt with, it's almost like you've found so much more than that. You found someone who shares the same values, 
who respects yeah. the same things that you respect yeah. and who has the discipline and the passion, you know, and the moments that you share with these people, you're there for their highs, you're there for their lows, right? And so it it just, you learn so much about someone's true colors in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. where they give the credit, who they give the credit to, where they point the blame, you know, what they appreciate, what they don't appreciate. It's, I feel like if you find a friend that you genuinely, genuinely love hunting with, you found someone who's going to be like one of those once in a lifetime friends, like one of those friends that you can count on one hand. And I absolutely feel that way about my dad. I mean, I could tell you so many times, I mean, where we don't even communicate, but we communicate. I don't even know how to explain it. There's been so many scenarios, especially turkey hunting, where we're just so much on the same page. We both know our next step. We don't talk about it. We just move in sequence, you know, and we're just so, I'm just so blessed to have that. And, you know, one thing that really blows my mind about how I got into this is the fact that my dad never once pushed me into it. He never once asked me to do it. He never once forced me into it. It was almost like, you know, the thrill of the chase, right? It was just like, he he didn't really force it on me. So I was like, all right, I want to do it. I want to do it, you know? And I've just been, I've been so blessed with this man. I mean, he's just the most humble person you'll ever meet and half the things that he has done, he won't even tell you about. And I'm lucky to call him my dad. That's for sure. But we've had some great times. So inspiring. It is. Great. Yeah. Super inspiring. And I, I think for us just uh being on the other seat and just listening to y'all's story, um, and I think it's it's a true testimony as to just you never know. Like you never know how things will turn out in life. Like you 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 might be somebody right now that has a little girl, um, or you, you're expecting a little girl in the way and you don't know what her passions will be in life. And you, you just never know where your kids will what they'll want to do and you, you don't know how your actions will uh, impact that what's important is that it seems like the approach that your dad took is is a good one and, and the right one um and then you know if it's meant to be and, and it does happen like it you got to embrace it and it's uh i think it's special that y'all have that and and then too like joe how you got started i mean if it wasn't for that individual that uh just wanted to introduce you to it and and thought well hey he might take a liking to this like you, this would probably not even this conversation would even be happening right now potentially you never know right yeah. so i think it's pretty right. special just how uh, how the chips fall sometimes and anybody out there that hears this um if you have kids or you've got somebody in your life that you know you've kind of been on the, the fence about maybe introduce them to it um i just we challenge you to do that because you never know where that might go you never know yeah 100% well you know i'm sitting here and i'm i'm thinking as we're talking and uh, i you know i don't know uh you know you can take this with a grain of salt but i think i think meredith <laughs> There's some. There's one little story that she needs to tell you about her very first deer with the bow. <laughs> oh God! The, the, yeah. Her first with the bow and arrow. This this is very very special, and uh, I think you'll get a kick out of this. Please tell that story. Yes. This. <laughs> you. Yeah. Or you might want to edit it out. One of the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So. The first year that I actually recovered with the bow, um, 
<laughs> I was at home by myself, and I was actually studying for my board exam for PT school. And I was fresh out of bed, and we have a rancher-style home, and so my bedroom was on the basement, and my desk faced out the window. And, you know, we got a bunch of deer targets out in the backyard. And I had, you know, I got my, my sleeping shirt on and my slippers and, you know, I'm not, I'm just fresh out of bed. So, of course, you know, I'm not wearing a bra or anything. I'm looking a little rough. And I went upstairs and I, I made myself a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios and I was sitting at my laptop and I was going through practice exams. And as I'm sitting there studying, I look out the window and there's this spike in the backyard and he has mounted one of our deer targets and i mean he's steady doing his thing and he, six it yeah it was a six pointer the target deer target was a six pointer and um i got to laughing and i started taking videos of this and i sent them to my mom and i sent them to my dad and then i sent one to my younger brother and my younger brother calls me up and he's like Mary, what are you doing? Why aren't you shooting that thing? And I said, I said, Van, I can't sneak out the house and shoot this deer. Like, are you kidding me? Like, this thing's going to run off the second I try to sneak out the house. He's like, you need to try it. That's ridiculous. And so I was like, I was like, okay, well, whatever. So I waited a little while longer while my older brother had actually been practicing on that target. Um, I don't know, the day before and the arrows. That morning he, he went on. Yeah, and his arrows were still in the target. And this daggone deer was using the arrows that were in the target as leverage. It was it was raunchy. So I said, <laughs> All right. So I ran I ran into the garage and I grabbed my bow and I grabbed an arrow and I snuck out around that house and that deer was uh he was on two legs. I mean, he was mounted on the target. And I had never shot at a deer at that angle before. So I was a little bit distorted. But I said, I'm going to let it fly. And um, so I took the shot. And I hit him. And I hit him a little further back. But, you know, he was very distracted. He didn't see me at all. So I was getting away with a lot of movement. And um, he was <laughs> yeah, and he jumped off the target. And he just kind of... <laughs> He just kind of walks away, right? He just walks away and walks into the woods. And I was like, oh. So I'm on my phone and I'm Googling like deer anatomy, trying to figure out where I think I hit him in his vitals. I come to the conclusion that I gut shot him. And so I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I'm just going to keep this to myself. And then I'm going to wait nine hours and then I'll go in there and I'll look for him. So dad gets home from work and I'm in the kitchen and we had this box of M&Ms. And he, when he gets home from work, he goes straight to these M&Ms. And he, he grabs a, they're peanut M&Ms. And he grabs a handful of them. And he's throwing them in his mouth. And he's looking at me. And he's like, your mother showed me that video today of that deer up on that target. He said, that was hilarious. And I was like, yeah, wasn't it? And he goes, yeah. He said, you should have shot him. And I just looked at him. I didn't say a word. I just looked at him. And I, I remember exactly, he drops his hand down and his jaw opens and he's got a mouthful of crunched up M&Ms and he goes, no, you didn't. <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, I did. And he said, 
well, where is he? I said, I don't know. I said, I was giving it time because I hit him further back than I wanted to. And he goes, oh, my God, well, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so we threw our boots on. And, of course, you know, anytime I shoot deer, the joke is we are going to be tracking and we are going to be tracking a long time. And um, we tracked and tracked that night. We we couldn't find him that night. It was raining. It was we, you know, it was dark. And so the next morning we went back in there and we found him. And um, I walked up on him, and that was the first year I had recovered. And what a story it was! Wow. So I had my, had my little photo shoot with my deer and my deer target. That's <laughs> what that is that unique. Is awesome. that's, that's the first time I've heard something like that. And it just, I mean, it, once again, it shows. And I know you're sharing things about making poor shots. And I, I yeah. think oftentimes people miss the opportunity to share stuff like that because maybe they're ashamed or it's frowned upon and, and just like the hunting world or people outside of the hunt, like don't hunt, might think that. But it happens. It happens to everybody. And at some point in time, it's going to happen. And so I think it's important for somebody who listens to this to understand that it's it happens. I mean, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And uh, and as long as you do your due diligence, like after the fact, and then you're able to hopefully recover that deer and put the time in, which sounds like you do when that does take a pl- uh, that does unfortunately happen, right? Absolutely. Oh uh, yeah. Hey, it has been a, a pleasure talking to you two. I've had a, a really, really good time, and y'all have a, a bunch of good stories, and I know this year y'all are just going to add to that list of good stories, and I can't wait to hear them next time for sure. So uh, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us passion for hunting and the love of your creation, Lord. Thank you for Meredith and Joe. Please be with them this year and bless them. Please keep them safe, Lord. Lord, please bless all the things we do and say and let it honor you and give us all the understanding for your love of your children. And um, let us let us feel that and, and feel you and feel the power of you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the protection and you watch over us this year as we go hunting. Uh, keep us safe. Let us make ethical shots. Pray all this in your heavenly name. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much. We have absolutely loved talking to you guys. Yeah. I hope we didn't talk your yeah. ears off. <laughs> no, thank you. It was awesome. We're doing another giveaway, and this time we're partnering with White Rivers Knife and Tool Company to give away a custom Inside 20 Exodus 3 knife along with some other goodies. Thanks to them. You're going to have to follow them on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram, and you're going to have to go check out our page for the post to get details as how you can be entered to win. And be fair, too, to your buddies. Let them know. If they're not already doing that, let them know they have a chance to enter and win as well. We appreciate you, and we wish you the best of luck. The winner will be picked on January 6th. The traditional bow hunters of Georgia have got their next hunt coming up. It's going to be down in South Georgia, and it's going to be all about pigs. That hunt's going to be from February 2nd through the 4th. It's going to be in Fort Stewart, Georgia. Your contact is our Southern Zone rep, Dindy Cromer. His number is 229-449-6609. So be sure to RSVP if you plan to make it. We hope everybody has an opportunity to come out and chase some pigs this February. 